All right, all right. Is this live? Yeah. <clears throat> Let me tweet this out, guys. Good morning, bears. I'm going to sing you a good morning bear song now that I'm home again. One second. Unbearables. <clears throat> I just started uh, drinking green smoothies again. Good morning, bears. I put a unbearable flag behind me because I thought it looked cool. Today we're going to talk about Che Guevara and what do you do when your strength is also your weakness and some other stuff. All right. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <clears throat> so, just as long as I got you guys here and we're getting some more people, this is a great knife that I got from Scotland from um, Nikki, Nikki Bronco, the best. I'm going to open some stuff because I haven't been opening stuff in a bit. This is from James Moriarty to Baby Benjamin. And then we'll get right into the show because I got some pretty cool stuff to talk about today. Okay. Here we go. Big Bear and Family. I like to read the note first. I was taught that as a child. You read the note before you grab whatever's inside. Hey, owner Amy and Walter, I like to give random gifts to people, so when I heard Amy was pregnant again, I knew I had to get something for the new arrival. I grew up outside of Annapolis, home of the United States Naval Academy, and they have one of the coolest little onesies, a great gift for uh, any little rock star. Oh, and your daily streams help the time at work go by faster. Your jokes make me laugh and think, and most importantly, you have a heart for people and encourage that in others. Thanks. All right, so he's uh, written a little more, but I want to be able to get to... Uh, Get to my show today, but I want to. This is from James Moriarty. This is awesome. Oh, dude, this is so soft too. Little bear guy. Look at this. How awesome is this? And then we got we got a navy onesie, which I which is gonna make Nimmer laugh. Cause uh, Nimmer, when uh, Walter was born, gave me a marine onesie. It's really cute. I'll, uh, I should, should upload a picture, but this is awesome, dude. This is awesome. Look at this. A Navy bear. James, you're the man. I appreciate this. I pre appreciate this so much, dude. What is this? Uh, and I'll do one more right now. This is from No Cross, Georgia. Let's grab out my handy. This is my Scottish knife. Man, Scotland is such a cool place. I'm so bummed their, their government sucks. Because I love doing shows in Scotland. Love. Alright. Letter and flash drive inside. Oh, that sounds like spy stuff. I don't even know where this is from. I'm real trusting, by the way. I don't know if people realize that. Oh, this is a long one. Boy, me know. Congratulations on the new baby. I'm sure that little Walter will make a great big brother. If you and the little ones are ever touring through Atlanta, we would be happy to offer you a place to crash 
and I know that my husband and brother-in-law would love to buy Owen a beer. In the meantime, we have sent along a bottle of whiskey after the new member. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, my God. That's so cool. All right, I'll read the rest of this when I'm done with, with here. Oh, yeah, baby. William Wolf. Coffee-flavored whiskey. That is hilarious. That's perfect for the morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. This is so nice and thoughtful. What is this? Oh, this is beautiful. I'm in. Look at that. Hey, look. I'm Dolev from Israel. Doot, 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 doot. It's awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's a good way to start the day. What a great way to start the day is opening stuff. Puts you in a really good mood. It puts you in a really great mood. All right, I'll, I'll read the rest of those later because there's some really good writing on that. I wanted to talk about a few things. I wrote down some notes. I just want to make sure that my brain is, uh, is focused properly. Che Guevara, yeah. Compromiso Sangriento. Man. It's so crazy that people wear him as a shirt. Okay, let's just start. Let's start, let's start. Uh, by the way, hugepianist.com for tickets to the tour. Uh, Kirkland, Washington, Pittsburgh, and Minneapolis. I think today will be the last day I'll sell tickets for any of these places. Maybe, maybe... Maybe one more day because we're, uh, I'm still, I can still do, well, Minneapolis, there's still, uh, there will be a few available at the door. I don't know what Amy told me. I can't remember what she said. It was the rule because she's the one who does all this stuff, but, uh, they're, they're all packed, like pack packed. So if you want tickets, get them now. Uh, and then my special is still available. All right. Let's talk about some stuff. I just woke up, by the way, because I'm doing tree work with my brother at 10 a.m. So I had to do a little early, a little early bird stuff. At 10 a.m., I have to uh, cut down trees with my uh, my big bro. Okay, so let's start with, which one's this? Oh, Patton Oswald. This is really disturbing, guys. Think about all the stuff, like all the heat that I, I get for the dumbest jokes. The dumbest. Like, that nigga stole my bike. <laughs> I mean, that's so stupid to get, like, it's just unending controversy over that. It just, it never ends. And it's like, Pat and Oswald. By the way, I've also done versions that Viking stole my wife. It's just, it's just a nonsense funny song. Anyway, look at this. So Roseanne Barr says, President Trump has freed so many children held in bondage to pimps all over this world. Hundreds each month. He, was bro he has broken up trafficking rings in high places everywhere. Notice that. I disagree on some things, but give him benefit of the doubt for now. And Patton Oswald sings pimps all over this world with a little baby icon. You realize that that joke's about uh, trafficking babies for sex, right? Like, do you know that, like, one of the biggest categories of, of rape victims in South Africa are, are like, children, like, like six-month-olds? 
It's uh, it's so disturbing that that a little troll like Patton Oswalt would do this joke. And listen, I think he should have the right to do the joke, completely. And if he wasn't, and if he wasn't so uh, so hateful about other comedians doing jokes, I wouldn't be so suspicious of him. But that's really creepy that he does that and then gets angry at other people for doing jokes because that means he thinks that that's real, like that he really thinks that. That's one thing that Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these things are facing now is if they're biased, which they are, they're now legally opened up to uh, just unbelievable lawsuits because comedians have to be. That's why as much as I was kind of disturbed by Chris Rock doing a joke about how cops need to shoot more white children to make it even because, uh, well, A, white people already shot more than cops statistically. According to the FBI, that's not exactly Breitbart. Uh, and B, it's just, why would you tell, why would you say that more white kids need to be shot? Like my, this song, that nigga stole my bike. The only reason that that's even controversial is because of a word. And someone, I, I did an apology, I did a, not an apology. I did an explanation on Twitter yesterday. Because uh, it's not an apology at all, and I was I was sure to uh, word it that way, because for many reasons. But I said um, it's unfortunate how the point I was making on free speech played out. I don't think black people are niggers. I would never call someone that. It's an ugly word. I assume that was obvious, but a, but a word that um, a word can't be hateful. Only intention can. The end. And this isn't for the people trying to end my career. They are hopeless and don't care about intention. Screw them. They only wish to trap and shame. This is for the rest of the world who probably lost track of my original intention due to the nature of Twitter. And uh, I'm, gl- I- I'm glad I wrote that because I see for me, it wasn't about the people mad at me. It was the young, a lot of young men look up to me and I had this feeling that um Hey, love, do you want to either let in George or uh, take George? That's all right. There's a lot happening this morning. Hey, buddy. You can crack the door if you want, if he wants to get back out. Hey, buddy. Hi. You guys want to see Georgie? Oh, big George. Oh, yeah. See, for me, it was, uh, oh, yeah. Hey, hey, kiddo. Hey, well, you can say hi to the people if you want. I say hi to the people. Come here, say hi to the people. Do you have milk and water? Come here, say hi to the people. Come say hi. And then you can have the dinosaur. Come here. <laughs> what are you doing, Walter? Everybody wants to just be this is within five feet of me. Well, come here. Say hi to the people. Let's see the people. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, 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 your milk? Want to say hi? Go hi, people. Hi. Hi. What's, the, what's this? Oh, do you want to play the piano? Oh, that sounds really good. Oh. He's playing that. He's playing that. So the point I was trying to make was uh, 
young people look up to me and I don't want them to make the mistake of thinking that that's like a good word to call people. Ah! And someone else said, well, yeah. And, <laughs> and someone else said, yeah, but it's just like the Chris Rock joke. All right, guys, go see mama. I gotta, I gotta work, guys. There you go. I gotta stay focused or else I'm not gonna be able to pay attention. I love you, buddy. People. That's right. They're people. Oh, are you making coffee, love, buddy? Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. I love you. All right. Uh, Quebec Bear made a great point. He's like, yeah, it's just like the, uh, the Chris Rock joke about how there's black people and there's niggers and there's rednecks and there's white people. And I was like, yeah, but I wouldn't, I still wouldn't call them that because it's just, it's, it's an ugly, unnecessary word. I, mean, I don't call white people white trash. It's just, it's just unnecessary vitriol. Like if someone, I would like a, like a scumbag black guy, I'd call like a thug or a scumbag. Like a, a thug is much more appropriate or, uh, or just a scumbag or ghetto. Because I think that that word has so much weight on it. It's like, it, it, it really hijacks your point that you're trying to make if you use that word. So uh, I, I just wanted to tweet that out just so that uh, young people would know to get lost in the confusion. Because anybody over 20, I think, understands what I'm doing. And if you don't, it's, it's intentional that you don't. But like uh, 13, 14, 15-year-old boys that uh, are raised in a school system without the understanding of intention and their parents don't, don't tell them intention and they turn on the TV to watch comedy and it's all this like mindless propaganda. Uh, I, I really started feeling for them and being like, I, I don't want to send them down the wrong path that there's something fun or cool about calling someone that. But I also want to be an example of someone who won't kneel. Because it's not, it's not about that. It's not about racism to the people trying to censor me. It's about, uh, it's about kneeling. It's about uh, censorship. And I wanted to do a bit about the C word for me is censorship, where it's like, now that words put comedians in jail in most of the world, ninety-eight percent of countries, you can go to prison for a word. And I'm in the word business, so censorship to me is the C word. So say C word, cunt. Don't say don't say censorship. I if you say censorship, I get triggered. So say the C word, you stupid cunt. All right, what else we got here? Oh, I'll get to that one in a second. So look at what Oswald is joking about. He's joking about uh, raping babies, and that's why, like, someone like me and a lot of other people that watch this see intention so much more than words and the intention of this joke is to mock is to mock the 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 sex trafficking um trade for children in the world and i was having this argument with this uh this black comedian who was saying that uh sex trafficking or children sex abuse is a right-wing conspiracy and it's all right-wing nut job stuff and it's so nuts. And this dude, I mean, I tried to help him in the past. And that's the funniest part. Some of these people are so, just so disturbed now. It's like they have a, a constant state of PTSD. 
these these leftists they're just like they're always on this defensive feral um vicious in inhuman response all right so what else i want to show you guys oh i love that picture of aziz ansari just every day just just know that that guy is being led by a woman look at his hand look at his claw i can't get over that picture it's insane that's a funny picture Jay, Jay Guevara. Okay, we've all seen these Chase shirts. I want to make sure I get some of these uh, stats right. <clears throat> because I know a lot about Chase. So I didn't really feel I needed to write too much down, but I wrote a little bit down. So, college kids, celebrities, a lot of people wear these uh, shirts of Che Guevara. It's a very famous, iconic image. These are th some things that you should know about Che, and you should know why people like me and Steven Crowder and a lot of other people react so we have we we have no patience for the leftists anymore and the celebrity people that are into this stuff to the point where i'm never looking for their approval i'm never trying to apologize to them i'm never uh i never want anything from these sick bastards okay let's talk about che che che's position he was the executioner for castro he executed um 14,000 people in one year. And one of the main things that he did was something called uh, Compromiso sangri Sangriento, which means uh, blood uh, compromise. I don't know. Basically, you weren't allowed to use uh, blanks because a lot of revolutionaries, they'll use uh, blanks where, where it'd be like one guy gets a blank and the rest get bullets because it would weigh on, the, on their heart so much because they were shooting unarmed Many times, uh, political prisoners, which just means people that disagree with you. That's all political prisoner means. It means someone who disagrees with you. It, it, it means these people committed no crime. Uh, these people simply, like, for example, if, uh, if a communist take, takeover happens in America, I will be executed because of uh, my beliefs and my, uh, my outspoken nature of free speech. Uh, someone like Che would line me against a uh, a wall, and they would they would shoot me. And here's a little story about and so compromiso sangriento. What it what it, what it meant was uh, they they wouldn't allow people to have blanks because he wanted the blood on everyone's hands, so that there was no going back. So that when uh, if Cuba did lose, everyone would be executed for war crimes, and he he wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. Um, he had a place called La Cabana and that was where he executed thousands of children himself personally. There's this one story and this story really got me and I've known about this guy a long time. So when I see these shirts, it's, um, it's pretty unbelievable. A man was being executed like someone like me, someone who wanted, um, uh, Batista. And by the way, little known fact about the big bear, I was related to Batista for 12 years, my second cousin married Batista's grandson, and Batista was the uh, <clears throat> Batista was the ruler of Cuba that Castro and Che overthrew. And back then, Cuba <clears throat> had one of the best economies in the world. It had one of the uh, highest literacy rates. It was a a first world country in a lot of ways. Cuba was doing really, really well, and he was not. And Batista was not a uh, a murderous man. 
He just, they kept calling him corrupt and capitalist and imperialist and stuff simply because he was for the free market and it was benefiting the people of Cuba tremendously. So then Cuba came along, or Castro and Che came along. And uh, and bear in mind, during this time, the mainstream media was supporting Castro and Che. They were calling him uh, one of the best things that happened to Cuba, saying he is not a communist, saying that he is great... Uh, the quotes are chilling from the New York Times. The New York Times single-handedly helped that overthrow. And uh, and the quotes are still widely available. And a guy, a, a writer won the Pulitzer Prize after coming back from Cuba and writing a wonderful, beautiful piece about the uh, virtues of Che and, and Castro. And then later when it was revealed that Castro was trying to uh, destroy all of America. And uh, by the end... Castro had raped 20,000 women, raped 20,000 women. They'd executed just ungodly amount of people. And he was actively trying to use propaganda to get uh, Russia to nuke America. That's why when Colin Kaepernick wore a Castro shirt in Miami, these are 58,000 people died fleeing Cuba. Okay. 58,000 people died just trying to get out. Like, you, like it, it was so horrific what these men did to these people and these women and the children. Wait till I tell you the story about this child, that, what Che did. That they, they risked their life to leave to the point where 58,000 died trying to leave. And so when Colin Kaepernick wears a Castro shirt in Miami and these people and their parents had... Um, had fled this monster, and they see his shirt. They say, you get the hell out of here, Colin Kaepernick. Thank you, baby. And uh, and then mainstream media calls anyone who goes against Colin Kaepernick a racist, even though what it is is uh, they're trying again to have a communist takeover of America. Fact. That's why uh, people like, let me show like Jay, here's, here's uh, one of the biggest American celebrities in the world right here. This guy's name is Jay-Z. He's one of our... He's a billionaire. He had, there's pictures with him and uh, President Obama. Obama and Jay-Z have, have flown together to Cuba. Okay, he's wearing a Che Guevara shirt. Let me tell you a little bit more about Che. When, um, when a, a 12-year-old boy once, and this is documented by people on both sides of this, some of Castro's uh, people as well as some of the, the prisoners that survived this, a 12-year-old boy tried to prevent the execution of his father. Like, a guy like me that would be executed if a guy like that gets power. Picture my son Walter, who I just showed you, a little boy. He runs up to try and stop the execution of his father, screaming and pleading. Che put his sidearm, he personally put his sidearm under the boy's head and almost decapitated him with uh, bullets. And he laughed. And uh, he, he wrote in his memoirs that he loved killing. And one of the ways that Castro would, um, would control him is he would not allow him to execute people if he didn't follow orders from Castro. Because as bad as Castro was, he wasn't the psychopath that Che was. Castro was a narcissist and an evil man. But Che loved killing. Loved. Loved, loved, loved. And he did it from the time he was young. It's uh, well documented that he raped his servants when he was a child he had sex with his cousin. Uh, his cousin bragged about it because he was a handsome man. Uh, so that I, I'm not saying that that 
I'm 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 not I'm saying that it's like a fact. Let me uh there's another He personally pulled the trigger on 700 executions in 6 months. Think about compare him to Ted Bundy, compare him to the Unabomber, compare him to any of these people and he's uh he's as bad as it gets. And so he was so bloodthirsty and he ran his mouth so much that Castro finally had him killed. But it was because he sent him to, to Colombia and he knew that uh, the Colombians would take him out because Castro was sick of him. He was a loose cannon. He was too vicious and too evil even for Castro, a man who raped 20,000 women. And I knew this girl once years ago who was a Cuban refugee and her father was in a Cuban prison and uh, they weren't given food. They were, they were intentionally tried to starve. So what, what their family would have to do is... Uh, is smuggle food in so the prisoners would eat so they wouldn't die. And this was her father, and it was simply because he was a small business owner. That was his only crime. So when you see these Jay-Z people wear a Che Guevara shirt, just know that he put his office next to the executioner, next to the firing squad, because he used to enjoy watching homosexuals get shot and decapitated. He enjoyed it. And that's a big, big thing you have to remember about Che Guevara, is... uh. There's people that do horrors in war. And if and uh, Eric Nimmer, by the way, my boy, my friend, my confidant, according to Bob, my guardian angel, <laughs> he, uh, he just passed 1,000 subscribers on YouTube so we can finally be monetized. And that is unbelievably cool that everyone followed him because not only am I endorsing him, he's really funny and really profound and really good person. And uh, he's battling cancer, and that is awesome that he can have that extra income because he's a four tour vet from uh, Afghanistan. He's a Marine and um, his health insurance is all messed up in the, in the central power of bureaucracy. But anyway, Nimmer will tell you about what happens when you kill a man and, and you feel okay about it because he was trying to kill you, but then you secure the area and then their, their kids come out and that's what tears you apart. And, uh, Lately, me and Nimmer have been having like long conversations on the phone because um, because we're so in, this really is a culture war at this point. And the compassion, compassion for your enemy is a real thing. And some of this stuff jams me up because I, I get so upset when uh, comedians turn on me or uh, local comedians call me all these names and, and, and depict me into being this monster. And then I see like that day guy, that situation was so weird because then you see that he was involved in some racial backlash from months before and all this stuff. And you have compassion for the, for people that want to hurt you and kill you. And Nimmer has been really uh, good at explaining that to me because he's not one of these Marines or vets that says like, you'll never understand because you haven't seen war, which is probably true in a way. Of course it's true. The, The scale is so different when you actually take a man's life and you're in a desert and your best friend dies next to you that you did boot camp with, right? That's something I can't possibly imagine. But Nimmer's such a good man that he doesn't do that to me when we talk because he knows that that um, an analogy is true across across time. Like uh, like when you say when I'm trying to explain why white privilege isn't real, and I say all. Dalmatians are dogs, but not all dogs are Dalmatians. Where it's like, you'll see in America, most, if not, like, not all, but very tons 
of the privileged elite in America are white, but 50 million of white people are, no, more than that. My numbers are off. I'm not even going to try because people in the comments will be like, He's, he lied about numbers. Go into a trailer park and tell them about their privilege. Go to a lot of our lives and tell them about their privilege. Go to, go to me in two hours when I'm out in this cold weather cutting down trees with my brother about privilege. And so, it, but the analogy works. And I'm not saying white people are dogs. You know, this one like super rah-rah white guy was like, oh, way to compare your own people to dogs. I'm like, you're so fucking stupid. It's like mind-blowing. But, uh. It's like that with war. Like what I feel in this culture war is similar to actual war in the sense that you know what's right and you stay the path and you do what you have to do despite the fact that you have complicated emotions that are like, but man, I knew that guy three years ago. He was such a good guy. But now he's like telling people I'm, I'm a monster. And it's like, so I know I have to win. But at the same time, you have that conflict. And, and a lot of soldiers feel that. They feel that conflict where they, they, kill, they have to kill a guy that, has a, that, that wants to kill you, but you have the drop on him. Boom, you kill the guy. And then when you secure the area, you see he has children. And that's what rips, that's what rips uh, soldiers apart, especially dudes like Nimmer, like uh, officers and, and people that have been in the Marines hunting people. It's not as much just loud noises. That a lot that that obviously is a is a struggle, but it's also that that it's uh, my boy Cap, who's now passed away, called it a moral injury, where you know you did what you have to, but it still it still hurts because it's complicated. So anyway, back to Che. This image to me, and this isn't I'm not trying to get political here. Uh. But this image to me is is very similar to that other image of Che. That, like, I don't know, there's something eerily similar about that. But they're both just trying to make these iconic, weird urban outfitters pictures. And what I experienced in Los Angeles was, and I just used him because I was so late getting this thing started this morning, that uh, I... It's not a racial issue. I hope you guys all know that. That there's, I'd say the vast majority of Che uh, t-shirt wearers are white girls or hipster guys. I literally, it's just, he's so famous that, that that's one of the first ones that popped up. But um, I started thinking about LA and how LA already is basically communist. And when you top down, one of the main reasons communism can't possibly work and socialism is communism. It's the same thing is when you centralize the economy, and Che was in charge of the economy in Cuba, a guy with no economic background, a guy simply who was just really, really good at killing children and women and homosexuals and all the people that a lot of the good Cubans, even the ones in Castro's army, because every army has, has a wide range of dedication to the cause. Just like... There's a lot of good Germans during World War II. There's a lot of good German people that fought for Hitler. Just like there was a lot of good-hearted patriots in Cuba who fought for Castro. And they would have been horrified at what Che was doing. And they would have probably vomited on themselves and cried and been in the fetal position. Even though they could kill Batista's people. But to kill their own women and children requires a type of sociopathy that most of those people didn't, didn't have. So 
So Che was their guy because he was truly just horrifying. That was his only skill. His, that and uh, seducing women. He was very attractive. Women found him very attractive. He, he rode a motorcycle. He played a guitar. And um, that guy was in charge of the economy. And for those of you that don't quite understand how horrifying <laughs> um, socialism is and why it's so horrifying, it's they're in charge of the price of goods. Now, a real quick recap for those of you that public education horrifically failed and, and you didn't learn about economics. The price of something is based on supply versus demand, right? So let's say, um, so let's say you have 10 pencils and someone kind of wants a pencil. There's going to be a price for that. Now let's say there's five pencils and someone has the same amount of demand. There's now a price for that. Let's say there's only one pencil. There's three people that want a pencil. There's a different price for that. Now let's say there's a thousand pencils and no one really wants a pencil. Now it's very cheap. Now let's say there's a million pencils, but everyone needs a pencil and there's a billion people. See how it's, it's a, I'm not going to get too far into it because I'll get sidetracked, but it's called supply versus demand. That's what, that's what makes, that's why the market economy is perfect. It, it has many flaws, but it's perfect in the sense that it will give you the price of something. And so when you don't have a free market, when you have a centralized planner, like uh, any socialist country, like North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, what Bernie Sanders is proposing, bear in mind, Bernie Sanders and these guys, they like, the, they like that guy. They like Che Guevara. They like him. Where's a picture of him? They think he's a good guy. I can't find a picture. Oh, well, that, that dude, Che. Like, when Castro died, Soy Boy himself, Justin Trudeau, tweeted a sense of loss. This is a guy that was trying to get America destroyed by the Russians, actively. We had a Cuban Missile Crisis. These are people that called us pigs, and they used our own media against us. They wanted your kids to die. Uh, che put firearms under children's heads, and tr he would laugh as he tried to decapitate children. Because their dad spoke out against him. You understand these people? They liked it. And so to see mainstream media, Hollywood celebrities, these people endorsed those guys. It's like I have, not only do I not seek their approval, I think they're disgusting. They're disgusting pigs. And when people go, oh, your career in Hollywood is over because you tweet too much. No, 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 no. My career in Hollywood is over. Thankfully. Because I didn't want to do La Compromisa Sangriento. I didn't want a blood pact with these fucking vicious animals. Because you don't get a blank. Right? They say execute. Agree agree that children should be transgender. A five-year-old can pick their gender and they should go on hormones based on the whims of their father. Agree. That's called the blood the blood, uh, the blood bond with executioners, right? There's no blanks. Agree with that or you, you're, you're out. And I said, no, I'm not going to execute a child because that will, they will now be in a, a, um, a category where 40% of them will commit suicide. And if you want to dig deeper, the people that started a lot of this transgen, transsexual uh, surgery, there's three main names and these doctors, they're all pedophiles, all active supporters of pedophilia. The ones that want to do this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde um, 
removal of sex organs and grinding out. I mean, it's just disturbing what they, what they do to the human body. And this has not changed in 40 years. Like one of the reasons that I'm so immune to it is a, I was raised with a lot of love and compassion and uh, the Socratic method and as, as hippy dippy as my parents would get, as far as college professors go, they were actually still Christian. Like when I was a kid, you know, everybody has their, their weird times and doubts and ups and downs. But, uh, compared to like what most people were raised with, it's, it's mind blowing what I, what I got. And my piano teacher was transsexual in 1991. So I got to see up close and I'm still friends with Larry. I love Larry. But I got to see up close like what it was all about and how it's all a big smokescreen. And this shit is old. This, that 40% suicide statistic is decades old. And so when the left tries to, uh, tries to say it's because of, uh, of us, like just normal people not being tolerant enough, and that social pressures is why these people are killing themselves, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. The thing that causes suicide in transsexual people or transgender people, whatever you want to call it, is the PTSD that happens when you cut your cock off or when you mangle your body or you go on hormones too young. That's a fact. And you're not helping anyone by lying about that. It's the same with like uh, with uh, a lot of these affirmative action things. The, the, the people that hurts the most are black people. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book on it. And uh, he's a widely accepted author. He's a black man, a brilliant man. And uh, that whole section didn't seem to get that much uh, press because there's trillions of dollars on the line and there's a current socialist attempted takeover of America and they don't want anyone to know that their little social programs actually hurt black people. Because let's say you're a black guy or gal, but there's a lot more, there's a, uh, oh man, Ben Shapiro was just talking about this. There's, there's been a lot of research uh, revealed lately. And Thomas Sowell wrote a book about it too, where black males actually experience a lot more prejudice than black females. If you just crunch the numbers, because like according to uh, intersectionality, a black female should be the most oppressed human being in the world, which isn't true. It's actually in America, black males experience more statistical prejudice than black females, which is very, very interesting. I can't remember what I was talking about. Oh, Thomas Sowell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, affirmative action. So let's say you're from the ghetto. And you really do need a little a little bump in this world. Like like uh, there's institutions in place, democratic uh, policies in the inner city, that make it so you have a very very hard time breaking this uh, cycle of poverty, and uh, and getting out of a horrible situation. By the way, there's a lot of white people in the same situation. This isn't a race thing, but right now, I would say there is a higher percentage of black people in this state of. Uh, extreme poverty and hopelessness than there is white people, a, a, a larger percentage of the population, not overall people. And that, in my uh, humble right-wing opinion, and here's the thing is, is me and Nimmer will debate this shit. Like he doesn't agree with all the shit I believe. I think I'm right on this one. But uh, the, the democratic policies of the inner city is, is made, it, it's a vote plantation. I mean, President Johnson was quoted as saying, We'll have these niggers voting Democrat for 200 years based on the welfare state that encourages single motherhood, that, that encourages uh, the, the 
the dismantling of the black community. You want to see a black guy school people on this shit? Look up Larry Elder. Larry Elder is a beast. Is a beast with debate. And he just, just mangles it. He mangles people with stats. And how, and so affirmative action, let's say you have one of these guys that needs a bump, a little help. And that's why I will give bears a little cash when you guys write to me that you're like uh, in a state of um, of zero. There's a big, big difference between zero and a little. A little, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get out there and work. Zero is like a black hole. And a black hole in physics, the reason it's called a black hole is because light can't escape. Because the escape velocity of gravity in a black hole is greater than 186,000... 186,000 miles per second squared, 300,000 kilometers per second squared. And that's the speed of light. No, not, not per second squared. That's gravity. I'm, that's 9.8 meters per second squared is gravity. It's not, it's not exponential uh, light. It's, it's 186,000 miles per second. Wait a minute. That's the speed of light. But the escape velocity has to be greater than that. Okay, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Anyway... When gravity is that strong, where light can't get past, where, where light can't, where 186,000 miles a second isn't fast enough to get past gravity, you see it as black. That's why it's always black. It doesn't mean there isn't a furnace of, um, of nuclear fusion or fission. I don't know. Can they have fusion at that gravity? Because most stars, it's fission. It's, uh, it's the fission of an atom will explode... Or no, most stars are fusion, where two hydrogen become helium and it explodes with, uh, with energy. And on, on Earth, we do fission, where we cut an atom, because we don't have the, the weight and the gravity to do what stars do, which is to uh, put two hydrogens to become a helium and let off way more energy than fission. We're trying to do co- uh, cold fusion on Earth, but we're not capable yet. But anyway, so the black hole, you can't... Like, light itself isn't fast enough to get out. Like... Uh, like the, all those rockets, all the Elon Musk rockets, you have to beat 9.81 meters per second squared, the, the, the Earth gravity, to get out of our atmosphere, or else you just keep falling down. There is, a, there is an economic status where you are a black hole, and you're not getting out unless there's some sort of help from um, a church or a family member or a bear, and it doesn't take much. And if you overgive, it actually can hurt people. Where let's say someone is poor in a trailer park or ghetto and you give them a million dollars. There's a good chance that guy will be dead in five years. There's a whole uh, documentary about it called Lucky. About what happens to people who win the lottery. They're horrific stories. But a little bit can help people get out. So the same thing happens with with affirmative action. So let's say you're uh, a young black man and you're smart. You have good, you have good hardware in your brain. You know, you're looking at a one one thirty. I like. Let's. This a, we'll just invent a guy. Let's say this guy, one twenty IQ. He's destined to work, to not work. He's destined to be on the welfare state ticket, because uh, that's why some of these affirmative action things can actually help taxpayers. It can't be race based though. We'll get to that in a second. So let's just say right now we'll talk about the black guy. So he's in the city. He's got a one twenty IQ, one twenty five IQ, uh, and he's on a path towards prison or being on the welfare state and uh, just nothing. 
even though he has a really good hardware in his brain. Okay, so if someone, if, if affirmative action the way it is right now, if you take him and you put him in Yale, you can even go up to one, let's take me, 147 IQ, right? Black guy, inner city, or trailer, trailer guy, inner, trailer park. Let's say they have 150 IQs. You take these guys and you put them at Yale, they're going to fail out because they aren't culturally conditioned yet to handle that. And I like, I'm real, like my brain's real quick and you put me in Harvard and I would, I would struggle. I don't know. I've never been at Harvard. Maybe not. You put me in MIT in math. Let's just be like for sure. You put me in the math program at MIT. There's a, there's a really good chance that I would struggle hard. And culturally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be capable of dealing with a lot of that shit because uh, like I had a really high SAT score. And so my dad took me to Cornell to have an interview. I only applied to two places, SUNY Plattsburgh and Cornell. And Plattsburgh because my brother went there and Cornell because my dad told me to. So I applied there and I went for the, uh, the, the interview. And they said, why did you apply to Cornell? And I just said, my dad told me to. And they're like, why do you want to go to Cornell? I go, I don't. I want to go to Plattsburgh where my brother goes. And uh, I got waitlisted. But I was like, I don't want to go there, Dad. I want to go with where Jason is. Because I wasn't excited about going there. I didn't, I wouldn't have fit in there. I would have been intimidated by a lot of people. I wasn't, I was a small town kid that didn't have ambition of being in finance or being the head of a corporation or something. None. I wanted to hang with my brother, literally. And my first semester at SUNY Plattsburgh, I got like a two seven because I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't know why everyone was trying so hard. I was like, no, we're here. We're just hanging. I'm hanging with my brother. And uh, by the end I would get four O's and stuff. And I was, uh, I was also playing lacrosse. So I, I got like a, a, a student athlete scholarship because I had the highest uh, GPA on my lacrosse team at the time. But if you would put me in Cornell, I would have failed, failed out immediately. A 2.7 or a 2.5 or whatever I had that first semester in Plattsburgh would have been a zero at Cornell, and I'd be out. And so Malcolm Gladwell proved that when you do that, when you take one of these inner city guys and you put them in, like, Yale, they now for sure will be – now that now they just failed. And a lot of times affirmative action doesn't pay the whole ticket. It just pays part of it. So now you're giving this dude debt and no degree – and go fuck yourself. If you had sent him to the University of Baltimore, there's a really high chance that he would become like a doctor or something. Same with the trailer guy. You know, really, really high IQ, really, uh, uh, really hardworking people that, that otherwise would be in this black hole. If you nudge them too much, they go right back to zero. It's the same with uh, helping friends out. Like, like when the Bears will write to me like, hey, man, and I, and I know who you are based on just interactions on Twitter and all this shit, and you're like, I'm in a really hard spot. I need 100 bucks just to get groceries this month. I already overdrew. I'm like, here, here's 100 bucks. You don't have to pay me back. Because if I say you have to pay me back, that can mess with friendships. Because then it's like, you'll like try to avoid me if you can't pay me back. But you know how many times that's helped bears just like tremendously a hundred if i gave him five grand there's a good chance it would fuck him over like like and that's what we do for each other and you guys have all done that for me don't think that i'm this like (laughs) omnipotent fucking 
uh, giver of all. Uh, you guys have, I was in a place where I was at zero after, uh, after I lost my agent from all that shit and all that heat was on me and I was emotionally a little fucking rattled and I lost my confidence a little bit in uh comedy and, and a lot of you guys that are now here all the time, uh, helped me whether it was Patreon or just 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there without that I'm at zero. And, uh, and so that's the cycle of, co- of community. That's like what community is, where it's like we help each other in those, in those trying times. And this gets me to my next point I was going to make. Because I have to leave it at 10, 10 a.m. My brother's picking me up to do uh, tree work. So today I actually have a heart out. And tonight at 5 p.m. I'm recording with Matt Christensen to do uh, Beauty and the Beta. And then tomorrow I'm doing the Tom Woods show. And then I will be, I'm doing a Nick DiPaolo show sometime this week or next week and I'm going to try and get on Legions of the Skanks and do Dave Smith's show and all that stuff because I still haven't really promoted my hour or my new special How Dare Me available at hugepianist.com I tried on Rogan and uh, Kurt just had uh, coffee for the first time that day apparently and uh, you know but it's selling good that's the thing is I'm in a good spot right now but any good spot can be taken and uh, and it's your obligation to help others when you're having a good a good spot and that's why I've I've offered to help a lot of you guys in like actual in a place rather than not and by the way money's only one of infinite currencies. I can help with promotion, I can retweet, I can um introduce you to people you might need to be introduced to. Uh just all that stuff. And yeah, I think my we're still debating where we're going to move to. I feel like I I know Texas would be ideal for me because I'd be with my people and uh but I also feel like I'd be conce- I'd be seeding some some ground in the culture war and uh she wants to be closer to her family in Washington state so I think the move is to build a compound in Idaho because Idaho is a bordering state of uh Washington and find like uh because I like Idaho but Idaho has no opportunity for comedy for me and neither one of us has family there. I don't know. We're still figuring it out. But we're going to make a really good decision no matter what it is. Because uh, family is one of the big ones. You know, being raised with uh, grandparents. Oh, oh, speaking of family. This is one reason why I want Walter to be raised with his Grandpa Jack. Grandpa Jack gave me great advice. He, Because uh, Grandpa Jack is one of the first people. Amy's grandpa. I'd say probably the main reason Amy's not crazy. Because her dad was a bad guy and she uh, and left when uh, she was young. And uh, now, and her mom married a really great step, uh, Jim is awesome, her stepdad, great dude. You know, he'll talk and talk about golf. Like he, he'll tell you his golf game, like, like in real time, like however long it took to golf, that's the story. So if, it, if you golf for three hours, it's a three hour story and it's every emotion of every blade of grass. But the reason that Amy's so balanced is her grandpa Jack. And that's why extended family is so important. As much as I rail on, on single motherhood and how it's all bad for the kid, my wife was raised with a single mom. I'm not saying that there's no hope. My wife, as so many of you know, is one of the greatest humans there is. Like just everything about her is just, I mean, don't get me wrong, we argue and shit, but it's like she's such a good person. And that's because she had a good grandfather. And, um, and that's why she didn't develop that weird hatred of men that a lot of, uh, girls and single 
mom households develop. And so, her, and by the way, I'm looking at this image right now. It looks kind of weird because I, I hung that up. Amy made that. And I'm wearing an unbearable hoodie. But that's simply because I have like 30 of these laying around the house. So uh, when, I, when I just need clothes, I just, and then I just start realizing, and then I'm drinking out of an unbearable mug. And I'm like, dude, I look like a Norm MacDonald joke about how he's always wearing his dirty, dirty work hat and his SNL jacket. Like I'm really not, this is not on purpose is what I'm trying to say. It's just when you buy 200 mugs, you're going to have a lot of mugs. All right, anyway. So Grandpa Jack, over a year ago, was like, you should just, maybe two years ago, was like, you should just accept that you have more conservative views on a lot of stuff, or or more right-wing, you're more right-leaning than Hollywood. And I'm like, oh, they're going to burn me, Grandpa Jack. And he's like, just, there's a whole market for that. Grandpa Jack's 80. He's still, he's still, he just put in a deck. He's just a legend, right? And so I listened to this guy because he was right. He was totally right. I, I took the plunge. I did Crowder. This is even before all the trans kid bullshit. I was like, no, I'm in my big tweet that I did that people seem to resonate with. I said, I came to LA, a liberal. I left a conservative and none of my opinions had changed. <laughs> and so, and he was right. And that was a good thing I did for both my mental health and my career. And so he told Amy that, uh, hang on, what the hell? And cause he's the biggest fan of my career. You know, he loves my shit. And he said that, uh, I don't know what point I'm making. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that sometimes on Twitter, it, it misrepresents me. That, uh, that it isn't my, like what I'm like in stand up or what I'm like as a person. And he knows what I'm doing. He's like, I, I, I'm the biggest fan of Owen. I get what he's doing. I get he's, he's warring. But if you just from an outside point of view look in and you see some of his tweets, you don't always get to know the man that I know. And, uh, and that resonated more even than when Rogan told me that. Because Rogan, as much as I love and respect Rogan, and he's a, a great force in comedy, and he's a great man, he's not Grandpa Jack, you know? Like, this is a man that I, I, when he tells me stuff, I really listen. And so I thought about it. Me and Amy had a real talk about it yesterday where we are like, but see, this is the conundrum I face. And this is why I can't really... It really is a conundrum. This is the why I titled this uh, what I did. What if the bug is the feature? What if your strength is your weakness? And how do you deal with that? Like I, I used to tour with David Tell, and I remember when he quit drinking, I saw that because one of his main things was drinking. He was in a, a show called Insomniac, and the fact that he could stay up all night drinking with people was one of the reasons that he was so unique in comedy because he would stay at four in the morning. He'd go around with a rat and like a rat killer in new Orleans and just drink and chat. And then he'd go to a burlesque show and talk to them. And then he'd go just talk to a bus driver all night and Yagri. I always loved Yager. And then he realized that it was hurting his health. So he had to quit drinking and to see him touring without drinking. It was like his bug was his feature. His feature was his bug. Like what made him, uh, like unique and artistic in a certain way also was, was killing him. And with me, it's like my ability to talk back to people or to, uh, to do what the Russians did in world war two and say, you want to take my land? I'll burn it first. That's a good thing in my life. In a lot of ways, I've stood up to a lot of dragons in my world, in my day. And this is not new. 
My personality has been shaping in this way since I was a child. This is not a new thing where someone says, oh, well, it's, well, it's, it's offensive to say nigga, but I'm glad that you're smart enough to not say the ER at the end because white people can't say that. And I just go, oh, you mean nigger? Er, er, er. That's, that's a way that I've developed to, to be able to beat dragons. And it's worked many times in my life. When teachers have said that shit to me when I was a kid, that's how I didn't break my spirit. That's how I still, as an adult, have the Socratic method. And I have uh, the, the, the desire to learn. Every day I, I read books, I listen to books, I listen to podcasts. I have a strong desire to learn because I wouldn't be broken by the, by the teachers that, that tried to make me kneel. And I wouldn't. And so I'm, I, it's the same with me and Amy's marriage. I, I, it's not like that. Like, I don't treat her like that ever. But the fact that I stand my ground for who I am is why she respects and loves me. Or at least, no, there's probably a lot of different reasons why she loves me. But like, that is the reason why she doesn't walk all over me like these commercials. Like, even dad can do it. Like, that's why she treats me with respect because I don't change. I don't, like, if I have a thing, if I have an ethic, I won't back down to avoid conflict. And so over time, it caused a lot of drama in the beginning of our relationship. But over time, she's realized that she loves that about me and that that's why she respects me because I'm not just going for approval. Okay, so you take that, you put it on Twitter. Now, that becomes a bug when you're someone new. Like I I just did morning television for like, you know, wake up Erie, Pennsylvania with the NBC news crew. And they were cool as shit. I loved them. But I could see, you know, he was like, oh, I checked out your Twitter to see what to talk about. And uh, so you're never leaving America? Like, what's that about? And I'm just like, oh, man, Twitter. It's a whole different battlefield, my friend. And we had a great interview. But I'm like, for those type of people that come in from the outside, and it's not sponsors or networks. That's one thing that that I would disagree with a guy like Rogan about, which, which would be... Well, you're, you're missing out on opportunities in your career. I'm like, uh, fuck those people. You mean the people that wear Che Guevara shirts? I'm good. And to see all these people kneel before the altar of socialism, you know, you'll see all these uh, car commercials and all that shit. It's like, and we don't discriminate, you know, and we're supporters of LGBT or what. That's all commie talk. It is. And if you just are joining us, re-listen to who Che Guevara was. Look up who Stalin was, who Lenin was, who Marx was, who Mao was, who these people were, and just how sick and twisted and how inhuman they are. And so anybody that wants it, I don't take sponsorships on the show. I, I will promote your small businesses, and please don't pay me. If you want to send me some sh- shit I can drink or use, whatever, great. But I, I don't, I'm not involved in that because I see the Achilles heel of it. It's not because I don't like money. I want, I'm an American capitalist. Of course I want to make money. The risk versus reward versus what you lose when you take those contracts is mind-blowing. I, I don't think I'd take a Netflix special. That would, be, that would be something I weighed a lot. I'm not just going to say yes or no right now because the amount of reach they have is incredible. But I don't want to be in bed with them. I don't. I think like the fact Susan Rice from the Obama administration is now one of the heads of, of Netflix. When you see what they put on there, granted, they have a lot of great shows. Uh, like I was watching a great show last night about numbers and the number 12 and why it's so like, it, there's a great 
I'll talk about that after. I got to stay focused. But, uh, you know, like uh, Carbon, that Carbon show was great. I I, I enjoyed um, La Carita Diet or some shit. Because I like that guy from Justified. And I like Drew Barrymore in movies. And I, I've enjoyed that show. I'm not saying they don't make good programming. But, like, there's always... You, you always give up something when you get in bed with other people. And um, I just don't want to give up what I have here with you guys and a direct connection to real people that are, that are like me. And that's why your super chats and all that stuff is very important for this whole thing. Because if not, that's how they take all these artists. A lot of these artists didn't start like this. Pat Oswald, this guy didn't start like this. Look at, look at what he's become. That's biblical right there, what he's given up. Pat Oswald used to be a legend, and now he's making fun of uh, he's making fun of child sex trafficking. He won't even say Donald Trump is doing a good job with stopping uh, certain solid child sex traffickers. That's how much he's given up for paychecks and for associations with power. So when Grandpa Jack told me that though, does, me and him want the same thing, which is he wants healthy grandchildren and he wants me to thrive as a good man because he knows I'm also passing on his his legacy, his DNA, his family. Um, and so I know that our, our uh, and he's a really good man. And so our, um, we're so lined up that when he tells me that, I think about it more because it's not about getting to that next level in my career because I don't think that exists. The next level in my career is artistic. It's getting even more of the shadow out. You know, because... Uh, that the next level of my career is always the next joke. It's always like, how do I be even more pure on stage? How do I, because there's like, how do I tackle the next, the next minefield? Like the pound me too thing. Like as, as silly and dumb as that sounds, that joke. And for those of you that don't know, you can look it up. I, I, I was like, how do I mock feminism without, well, at the same time, giving a club owner uh, what he needs, which is a, a consistent audience and people leaving happy. Because that's what I had to do this weekend. This weekend in Erie, it was like half, half, half my fans, half just club people. Because I had to sell 2,000 tickets. It's five shows. It's not just one unbearable show in a city where everybody's there to see me and they can sing along to the words and stuff. These are people that just probably saw me on Sullivan and Son a few years ago and liked it and just was like, oh, we'll, we'll go out. So I have to make sure that they leave happy while at the same time not compromising myself and mocking what I want to mock. So that's the, that's the wave I'm surfing. That's, that's the next level of my career. How do I make fun of Black Lives Matter with, 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 without, without, you know, where you can have just black tables and white tables laughing the same? And for my whole career, I've always been a lot more comfortable with mixed rooms. Someone, someone on Twitter, somebody said, oh, I bet you wouldn't do that nigga stole my bike or soy boy with that Colin Kaepernick line in front of a black audience. I'm like, I didn't do it this week because the audience was too white, you fucking morons. If the audience is all white and you, and you do something edgy like that on stage, it has a, a different feel. If you have enough people in the audience that under this psychotic paranoia of the left that they will, they will kill you after if you say a word. And if you make them laugh, it, it alleviates that stress with white people. So then the white people can laugh. And then, it, and then you reach the next level of 
comedy in that moment in that night where you're really relieving stress for people and it's like it's like a literally a beautiful thing to witness so i didn't do any of that shit because most of those crowds that have like five black people you know 280 white people five black people at that point i'm not i'm not saying that word on stage it has to be more black people that's the irony of a lot of these leftists they're such cowards that in their mind i only i only do it for whites so that we can go rah rah and it couldn't be more opposite and i want a day where white people can get back to being normal where they don't need to look for approval at the black table because they've been so conditioned to not understand jokes that they don't know the difference between racist and racial i even said that in one of my shows this weekend i was like i did the black lives matter joke and it got last, but there wasn't quite enough black people to really pop it. Like Houston had enough black people to like, ah. And, uh, and, and I, I even, I, it was the one time I explained something during the weekend where I said, uh, there's racist and racial. That's a racial joke. It's not racist because the butt of the joke isn't black people. It's me. The, the fact that I want to protect black people by keeping mosquitoes away from them because malaria kills the most amount of black people. So I get a tiki torch to keep those damn mosquitoes away. That, that's a classic way of doing comedy called dramatic irony, where the audience knows something that the speaker doesn't know. Shakespeare did it. I'm the buffoon in that joke. And for most of my life, everyone knows that. Like, that's what, if, if that joke is presented to you, like, there was this great... Uh, there's this great SNL commercial called bad idea jeans and it was mocking Levi's jeans. And it would just be like, it would just show the asses of these men as they're talking. And it's like bad idea jeans. It was shot real gritty, like Levi's commercials at the time. It's like, Hey, you know, I was going to use a condom, but then I was thinking, when's the next time I'm going to be in Haiti? It'd be like bad idea jeans. And that'd be Kevin Neal. And you'd hear his voice be like, Oh, let's go play those uh, those giant black guys. What do you want to do? 100 bucks? 200 bucks a game? Bad idea, jeans. Because, okay, those are two examples of race, but not racism. The joke is on the, the dumbass that thinks they're going to win in basketball, or the joke is on thinking that you should not use a condom in Haiti. And um, and and I'm still in that world. That's that's the only reason why I, I, I recently did that explanation on Twitter about saying it's unfortunate what happened with me I'm like, just for the record, I don't ever call, I don't call black people niggers. If someone like maybe thug or ghetto or scumbag, but it just is, it's a, it's a word that has so much weight on it that it's so exhausting to use in your life. And it's just so dumb that it's not a word I use. And it's not like, uh, cause someone was like, oh, but we'll get the Chris Rock joke. There's black people. And then there's niggas. I hate niggas. I love black people, which is a genius joke. It's the difference between the whole joke, that, that's Thomas Sowell right there. That's black, redneck, white, liberal. The difference between culture and race. That's what that joke is. Where it's like, I love white people. I hate white trash. I also don't say white trash. I think that's unnecessarily insane to say about white people. Is calling them trash. So, but I did explain it because of that 13-year-old boy that looks up to me out there because their parents and their teachers are failing them and explaining what context is. I don't want them to think there's any power or any cool thing about calling a black guy that because there isn't what i'm doing is saying the most taboo thing possible for this this battle of free speech and even these people that have screenshotted my tweets and retweet them they're it's racial not racist 
what I'm saying, but I'm using a word that I've been told I can't say because of my skin. Rosa Parks could have sat at the back of the bus. She didn't want to because she didn't want to be told she had to sit at the back of the bus. What if she preferred the back of the bus? What if Rosa didn't like, what if the front of the bus made her nauseous? That's probably a, a similar compare, uh, analogy to, the, to saying the N-word with me, where it's like, what if Rosa Parks didn't even like the front of the bus, but she wanted to make a statement that because of her skin didn't determine where she sat? That's what I was doing. And the only reason I explained it is because I think that people are failing kids these days where they are not showing them the difference between intent and a word. Like the word censorship has killed way Okay, the Ku Klux Klan has killed 3,000 total people since its inception by the Democratic Party. Yes, it was started by the Democrats and it's killed 3,000 people. That's horrifying. That's tragedy. Che Guevara has killed more people personally with his own gun. Many of them as young as eight. They used to kill babies because they said that they would grow into capitalists. And these motherfuckers are wearing their shirts. We're, we're, look at that. That guy has personally killed more innocent people than the Ku Klux Klan since its inception. Not Jay-Z. The motherfucker he's wearing on his shirt. And so when Colin Kaepernick gets a bad response in Miami, Florida because he's wearing a, uh, a Castro shirt, that's why. It's not because he's half black from Hawaii. No one gives a fuck. People cheered for Muhammad Ali as he fucking went to jail to avoid the Vietnam War. His name was Muhammad. Why? Because he was great at boxing and he represented the American spirit. Which is, if you're great at something and if you are an individual, you can fight tyranny. I, I didn't even realize that the guy was Muslim. Because you just think, oh, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee, Muhammad Ali. And that motherfucker was a champion because he still was American. He was still American because he said, I will knock you down. If you get up, I'll knock you down again. That's, dude, that gets me going. I don't give a fuck if your name's Muhammad. If you are a fighter, if you are a boxer and people want to hurt you and you hurt them and you win, and then you're going against a war that, that, that frankly, is shitty war. It, it, it's like that, like fighting fucking rice pat, fighting rice farmers was not the fight for Vietnam. The irony of Vietnam was us engaging in the war brought more communists to our shores in the form of uh, middle management at, 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 at universities and and at um and at um media and to, and to, and to have that that now like to to have it cool for celebrities to get on board. Uh, with communists ruined America more than any of those rice farmers did. You know, the rice farmers are the one people that you can, no one hates communism more than me guys. But if you're a rice farmer and you just want rice, those communists aren't, that, that's not the guy. You know, Ho Chi Minh isn't our, our guy. The HR department that's doing inclusivity is more of a threat than Ho Chi Minh. And we lost 60,000 boys, you know? And the media showed all the images, which made the civilians, which made all these people, um, it made it cool for celebrities to side with communists. That's why it's about the war, not the battle, where you can go shoot a rice farmer if you want, but if the image you're uh, showing the youth of America is that you're the bad guy. And that's why when I would tweet nigger in context, 
it's 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 a bug and a feature. It, the the feature is it shows the people that understand what I'm doing that you don't have to you don't have to kneel. And it's not I'm not fighting to for the right to call black. No, I kind of am. I don't I don't like people who call black people niggers. I think they're fucking creepy. I don't do that. It's just weird. It's just a weird demo. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. But I have the right to. Does that make sense? And and that's why I listened to Grandpa Jack when it was like, well, just think about what you're projecting. Like Vietnam, you should do whatever it takes to fight communism. But if that involves shooting a fucking rice farmer and everyone's seeing it, you're going to do more harm to, to what you're doing than good. Because the worst thing that can happen to our cause, which is freedom, which is individual freedom, which is the American Western way of life, which is the Constitution, which is the right to bear arms. Not that you have to bear arms, but you have the right. The worst thing that can happen is we adopt right-wing identity politics and become a bunch of fucking racists. And that's never going to happen to me. But if I am responsible for even one person going down that road, I will feel an incredible amount of guilt. That's why I have to really think about what makes me strong also makes me weak. And this is an ancient problem. Ancient. That's why the, 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 the double-edged sword metaphor is so powerful. It's like what, what makes you strong makes you weak. It's, it's, it's fat, and, and it's all about always trying to find that right balance. Like obsessions make me strong. It's why I'm so good at the piano. But obsessions also make it so I will tweet back at the same person 50 times. You know? But that's why I can also play Bach. 13 hours a day. Hey, Georgie. I By the way, you guys got to check out my Twitter these days. Just because me and Michael Ian Black had one of the funniest exchanges I've ever seen since I've done Twitter. I called him a perv. And he wrote like, why am I a perv? And I just was like, no way. This is unbelievable. I'm like, because you're wearing the hat, that hat. He's wearing like a Mr. Slave hat in his picture. And then we go back and forth about his hat like five times. Where he's like, what about this hat? Hey, George, don't eat, uh, George, don't eat that. He's like, what about, what is it about this hat? And I'm like, it's like the uniform of pervs. It's like if I was wearing a firefighter's hat, it looks like I fight fires. Hey, George. Hey, 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 George, come here. Good boy. Oh, that's a good boy. Yeah, take a seat. That's good. That's good. Just don't eat that. Don't eat that. And it keeps escalating and escalating, and, and it, but in a funny way. I was just, I was, yeah, can you grab Georgie? He's pawing at your It's all right. I can't hear the paw. I'll be out with him in a second. And then I'll read your super chats. I, by the way, thank you so much for those. Yeah, he ate one of my, uh, my, uh, my joke sheets. I think that's really funny. It's almost kind of artsy. You look beautiful, by the way. Uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, so you think, I know what you were implying, because he thought that I was implying he fucks kids. And I go, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you fuck kids, bro, but I think you're a perv. I think you're the guy that makes a lot of noise at a urinal. Like, oh, yeah. And then when you leave, you go, that was a treat. And so he's like, oh, it sounds like you have a piss fetish. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's get back to you and your little hat. I and mean, it just keeps going until he was like, but you started this exchange. I'm like, no, you did when you came after our Second Amendment rights. And I just tried to make it playful. 
about your stupid hat. But uh, if you want me to call call you a, a treasonous traitor, I can do that too. And it was just, and then like that night at a show, four different people were like, man, we were dying at those, those hat tweets. And that's why Twitter matters. Like that shit, I'll do all day long. I just, I just don't want to be the nigger guy. I want to like, be like, okay, I made my point uh, and move on. Like, okay. And, and Michael Ian Black tweeted this once. I don't like watching iCarly with my daughter because there's nobody on that show I want to molest. You see what I'm saying? And I don't think that means he wants to molest kids. I think that he, he's not very good at comedy and he's a creep. But he was trying to be hyperbolic in some way. He's, he's doing what I try to do, but he's just bad at it. And I even told him that. I'm like, I don't even think that that means you, you bang kids, dude. I just think it urinals. You're real vocal. And you have a hat that probably smells like cum and regret. And you should wash your hat. And that's the shit about Twitter that I love. And he has 2 million followers. And me responding to him was getting way more likes and retweets than anything he was doing. And I'm like, who the fuck follows you? Like, these people don't like you. Uh, by the way, hit the like button on this. Subscribe. I'm almost at 100,000 uh, subscribers where they'll give me a plaque that I will urinate on. Well, I was debating that with uh, Bayonet Bob because this is, that's another thing. It's like, I want to urinate on it or shoot it with a gun. Because as a rebel, a rebellion, uh, rebellion against YouTube. But the amount of work you guys have all put in to for me and to build this audience, I don't want people to think that I'm pissing on them. So I was thinking I'd piss on the YouTube one, shoot it with a gun, because you get a plaque when you hit 100,000 followers on YouTube, and then I make my own plaque where I thank you guys. And it's not a gift from YouTube. When you're being molested, don't take candy from the guy. Don't take a ride. Because you can get through assaults and trauma. The thing that always hurts you is if you like take shit from him. That's why the slave in the house was always a lot more uh, hateful than the slave in the field. Like That's why that Samuel L. Jackson character in uh, Django was so spot on. It's the one in the house because they've taken extra bread to sell out their own people. It's George Soros hates Jews more than anyone you've ever met. George Soros is a Jew who hates Jews more than anyone you've ever met because he sold them out to, to the Nazis. George Soros, when he was uh, during World War II, would show the Nazis where the Jews lived because he would take gold and freedom for that exchange. And so that's why I just don't take anything from people that uh, like an award, a plaque. All right, let's read some super chats and we'll call it. Oh, by the way, Jordan Peterson is about to be the highest selling author in the history of Canada. If you guys want some good news, more good news. 1,100 people right now are watching live just on a random day. Just watching the big bear talk about uh, morality, comedy, and uh, Che Guevara. So, so just be hopeful. I get a lot of emails of people saying that, uh, that, they were feeling very hopeless in their life and, and the bear community, the unbearables have, uh, have helped them tremendously. Some people were suicidal. Some people probably still are. Some people are battling addiction. Some people are battling with divorce. Some people are battling with loneliness and isolation and, and meaninglessness. And so just know that there is hope. And the hope isn't that I'm not creating the hope. 
I'm a, I'm a big part of this hope, but the hope is all those people watching that there are people just like you. There's right now is 1106 people live. Wait till it, it just goes up there and then it goes on iTunes and then it, there's that many people. There's people sitting in a, in a, uh, an airport right now, listening to stuff like this in their earphones, just like on every word I say, and that should give you hope that you're not alone in these feelings. And that when you see a Che Guevara shirt and you think, how do these people not know what he did? When you hear a joke that clearly isn't hateful and you see someone getting annihilated for it and you go, how do they not get that joke? Is it just me? It isn't just you. And know that. Jordan Peterson wrote 12 rules. It's about how to be a better man. How to be a better parent. And it's, it's, he is now about to be the number one selling author in the history of Canada. After a month. And he was on this show not that long ago. And it's like, so just don't give up hope. There's always hope. Just don't think that the enemy isn't strong and horrifying. Because it is. Nihilism. Socialism. Postmodernism. These things are fucking insane. People that have given up their autonomy. People that say, you think for me. Slaves. Slaves. These people are slaves. Public school. All this shit. I went through public school and I didn't become a slave. But it took a lot of... That's why my bug is my feature. Because they say, they say, um, Owen, you can't see this. The, this is a true story. You can't see the solar eclipse today. You have to stay in school, in class. And I get up and I go outside so that everyone can see me. I look up, I look down, and I go back in. They put me in, in a isolation for five days. I've been getting banned from shit since day one. And that's why I'm not broken. But at the same time, this, this is more than me at this point, and I don't want to misrepresent what we all believe with Twitter wars. And so that, that's the thing I face, and that's the thing Amy and me and a lot of you bears have, have had really good t- conversations about that, is how to not kneel and fight and, and inspire people that you can fight back while at the same time, not just from an outside point of view, looking like you take delight in, in saying the word nigger, which I don't. But, but the people against us don't give a fuck about my feelings or your feelings or apologies. They just want to trap and shame. Now, I, I will never apologize for anything of that shit. But I, for you guys, I want, and for myself and for my future and my family's future, I, I want to really do the right thing for Grandpa Jack. Owen Strong Boobs Benjamin. Oh, thank you. Oh, by the way, I'm on a pretty legit health cleanse right now. I'm, I'm blending, a, I'm just eating meat and uh, green smoothies. I got to drop a little weight. It's really easy to drop weight, but I was looking at my live stream I did this last weekend and I was like, man, you fat fuck. Cause I already have bitch hips. So if I have any uh, weight on my hips, my bitch hips, it looks extra shitty. But when I lose the bitch hip weight, I can look pretty shredded. I'm not looking to get shredded, but I'm looking to not have bitch hips. Cause you know, there's no strength in bitch hips. <clears throat> Just realized people of color is caught backwards. Racist, hilarious. I met Pat and he was a dick. Yeah, he, he, yes, locomotive breath. He was. He was nice to me because I, I was doing a charity event in LA, which is nothing more than a Ponzi scheme for the wealthy liberals that showed up in limousines. Um, but in that event, every, like everyone was cool as shit to me because I, I killed more than him or, you know, I followed fucking what's it, uh, Bill Maher. And Joel McHale and all these guys. And I, I blatantly, without question, had said of the night. And so the fact that I had been approved of these people and I was clearly 
really good at comedy, they're all like, oh, no way. Hey, Owen. And then uh, when I was ejected from that social hierarchy, they all just turned hard. I would, I'd fucking, I'd bury them. Thrifty Miser. The problem with the simple-minded is they, they tend to idolize monsters. I grew up in communism. Anyone who wants to live in that shit is insane and delusional. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. They idolize monsters. Because they idolize force over power. Someone sent me a great book about the difference between force and power. I still haven't read it yet, but I'm going to. Because that concept is mind-blowing. Force is, force is taking my dog, George, and putting him somewhere. Power is going like this and having him come. And, and, and that comes... And that's a dog. Obviously, doing this with humans isn't g- good either. That's actually not a great fucking... That's not a great analogy. <sighs> Power is, is voluntary as you have... I don't know. I have to really think about this. Force is you do it through breaking the non-aggression pact. You know, the don't try on me. But pow... Ah, whatever. I'll get too bogged down on that. I have to think about it. What do you think about the story of Robin Hood? Is it an intro to communism for kids? Will you allow your sons to consume content with these messages? No, it's been perverted into that. The rob from the rich and give to the poor. But the original Robin Hood wasn't that story. It wasn't. It was about. It was about fighting tyranny. The rich robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. That that's a modern bullshit commie fucking take on that. It's just like trickle down economics. That phrase was invented by the left. You guys realize that, right? I'll look into Robin Hood and think about it. Also, he loved killing gay and black Cubanos. Yeah, he said, Jay, he has a quote. Let me look this up. You, you guys are going to die at how, how just truly racist these people are. Jay, black Cubanos, quote. Uh, it's not going to be on Google. What am I thinking? Oh my God. I can't, Google is so awful. Like all the Che quotes are like, I'm not a liberator. Liberators do not exist. These people liberate themselves. He was, in my opinion, he's worse than Hitler. And I know people overuse that, but he really was. I I think that he, his whole thing was murder. Oh my God. I can't believe Google. I looked up Che Black Cubano's quote and it's all like pro Che stuff. A revolution is not the bed of roses. Basically, what he said was that blacks are born genetically to commit crimes and to work and all this shit. And the whites, he's, he's absolutely like, he would kill anyone with, with skin too dark. It's, it's like, God, the media, Google, these people are such fucking assholes. I can't believe when you look up, when you look up Che, that's the shit. That's the shit you see. All right, that'd be a hilarious skit going to a trailer park and trying to shame them for white privilege. I, I came up with a, a documentary two years ago called Privileged, where I just do that in a trailer park. John, shout out to Emotional Eric, a.k.a. Mr. Black Privilege. I'm glad he got to a 1,000 before me with the affirmative action you get in this group. Hashtag like hike. That's hilarious. Follow John, too. John, uh, where can people find you? John's a great guy. John's my boy. He's helped out a ton. He's fucking awesome. So follow John. It's just... uh. I think Eric's more active on it too. And he like doing stand up does help build your page because people see you in person and then they remember you forever when you do well on stage. Mason, where do we get the gray unbearable hoodies? Oh, I've never sold these. Have I? 
I shouldn't. I gotta get back into merch. Finally got a bear name. Would like to uh, be verified as anti-socialist bear. Great name. Welcome. Thanks, Nick. William, the Japanese knew they couldn't invade the U.S. mainland because there would be a gun behind every blade of grass. That's a quote. It's a quote. It's a communist ideology that's pushing to disarm the populace so they can invade from within. Yes, exactly. Why would you want to disarm people? Huh? How Michael Ian Black? Why no one wants to do that? Rapists. Want to know who needs guns? Chicks. Thanks, Nick. Martin, did you get the Joke Che shirt I sent? Well, I still have to open a bunch of this stuff, but I, I will. Oh, and if you want a great Che shirt, go to uh, my boy Stephen Crowder, Louder with Crowder Shop. And uh, he, has, uh, he has great mocking Che shirts. They're amazing. You might like it. If not, just burn it because we know there are certain things we can't make jokes about, uh, Winky Face. I'm sure I'll like it. There's nothing we can't make jokes about. Nothing. Uh, Thomas L. Just wrote an interesting article about how college diversity quotas were originally created to limit the number of Jews attending Harvard. Yes, of course they were. Yep. And you're going to see more Jews in, in outlier groups. They're, I'm not, not going down that rabbit hole. Let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> stream is chopping out bad in uh, Oz, so going to go to bed and watch in the morning. P.S. Hope Amy enjoyed the Tim Tams and the Caramello Koalas. Uh, I don't know about the Tim Tams, but thank you, buddy. I got to open more stuff, I guess. I love Oz. I got to do a tour in, in Australia. I'm a single mom working two jobs. I only don't date because I don't have time. I'm conservative and love men, just don't have time to find one. Well, I, Tiana, Tiana Rusin, go hit up. T There's a lot of great dudes. Great dudes. Good for you. Working grocery as a cheese specialist. Bod wants to raise prices without... Uh, bod, you mean boss? Yeah, boss. I was about to say your body. <laughs> Without providing help and cost has not gone up. Thoughts? Because I'm scared for all. Working in grocery as a cheese specialist, boss wants to raise prices without providing help and cost has not gone up. Well, I mean, if he does, that's why the free market, that's why you can't have too much help from the government because he has to be there has to be a punishment if he raises prices without the demand and he would go out of business. Sorry, that sucks. But he'd have to then lower it. With, with, with government subsidies, you become blind to reality. Like it, It's almost like muting people on Twitter. You, you don't hear what they say anymore, which is awesome. At the same time, you're blind. Hey, Big Bear, I'm really down and I'm feeling like I'm at the end. I could use some hope, bro. Sorry to bother. Hope your Easter was good. Yeah, our Easter was great. And there's always hope. Don't give up. Trust me. We've all thought about it, man. We've all thought about it. And people in a lot worse positions than you have gotten through a lot harder shit. And you'll be letting them down if you give up your soul and your existence. Like your soul being here in this world is amazing. And if you give that up, well, so many people bled and died. So many people went into coal mines and coal shafts and fucking coughed their way to death so you could enjoy this day. So you could enjoy talking to me and I can respond to you. That alone is a win. I'm guessing a lot of it has to do with uh, drink some water, go out for a walk, just just move. You know, you can't, like, you, you can't just ignore holes. You got to fill it and move on. I'm rooting for you, bro. I'm rooting for you because we've all been there, but just fucking rock it. I don't think John Neary should make fun of Eric. Why? Everyone gets to make fun of everybody. John's a good dude. 
So happy you're uh, going on Nick DePaulo's show. I asked his producer to help with New York, and he said he'd uh, been emailing you. I gave him the right address. Yeah, yeah, I am. I've been emailing with him. I just, I live four hours north of New York City, so when I do shows like that, I have to really plan it out. Jacob, screw people in the Chase shirts, come to Florida, and let an old Cuban see that. He'll beat the hell out of you. I don't even think they sell those down here because they, they know the damage it would do. Yeah, Compare that to the word nigger. There isn't one black man in America that didn't come from Africa that has ever been a slave. Their parents haven't been slaves and their grandparents haven't been slaves. These Cubans know people, they know people that uh, Che has shot in their fucking heads. And 14,000 Cubans is, is, is 1 million Americans, by the way, because their population is so small. So if, if there's someone in America that personally shoots a million Americans, you don't, and, and they're still alive. You don't think they're going to freak out? Hey, Big Bear, I was at the 645 Saturday show in Erie. Brought my mom and the only black guy in the audience. Uh, they love the show big time, by the way. I need to get verified. Great Dane Bear. Welcome, Great Dane Bear. Thank you for the red pills. Truth is needed. I'm watching this with my nephew. Oh, awesome, buddy. Uh, hang on, where am I? Yeah, because I got to go. My brother... I gotta go soon, but I'm gonna get to all the super chats. Hey, Owen, finally got to see you live streaming. I hope you have a great day. Can I be proud to be a barrican? Proud to be in a barrican. Welcome. Hit the like button, share this, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell. New special at hugepianist.com for tickets to Pittsburgh, Kirkland, and uh, Minneapolis. I'm only selling them for like a day or two more. So get them. My dad called me to tell me he wrecked my new truck. Yeah, have a beer on me. Thanks, buddy. Keep the plaque as a trophy from the enemy. I like that. I like that. James Yeager took his uh, YouTube plaque and strapped five pounds of uh, Tannerite to it and shot it with a 338. Oh, dude, that's a great idea. For those of you that haven't shot Tannerite, it's real fun. And it only explodes if uh, a bullet is going a certain speed. So it's actually really safe. Well, you can split, split logs rather than your, you. Here's two bucks. Hilarious. I'd like to re request Gymnopedia. Oh, I can't. I, I don't have time to play music. I, I'm I, I'm sorry, but I really love that song. State obedience camp trains kids to forget that socialism always ends in starvation and genocide. Yes, it does. You're absolutely right. Field of Bears. Just oh, follow Field of Bears on Twitter. By the way, he's uh, if he hits a, hits a certain amount, he's gonna like help out some of our artists or something. I I didn't even follow what he was saying, but he's a good man. Just want to say hello, much love. Thank you, Joe. Mr. Nick, now the night is darkest just before the dawn. Keep your chin up, Bears. Fuck yeah. Good morning, Big Bear, fellow foul. Farmer, first super chat. I followed you off and on. Come to Salt St. Mary, Michigan. There's a place on the farm for you. Oh, dude, I love Michigan. Uh, Ken, thank you. That's very generous. War socialism is for fags, sure, except figs. To uh, dinner Friday, I had to tell a 30-something white woman who liked it but was worried, that, uh, worried about how she'd have appeared. We talked for a bit, had her rolling with the starvation genocide line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about how you appear if you don't say that. That you think Che's like fine. Dude, stand the fuck up for people. Tell people this shit. How you appeared. Che shot a little boy trying to defend his dad. And then went on to shoot fucking 14,000 more people because he liked it. Fuck anyone that doesn't know that or care. Steven Crowder's here and had gay love. Oh. Oh. Someone says Steven Crowder had gay love with Muhammad. That's so funny. It's so like it's so funny when a troll actually pays money to say that. Good for you. It takes balls because usually trolls have no money. Call Crowder, Unbearable's Rule. See you in Brea, Harry, Armenian Bear. I will. Why? Well, I, I didn't think they were having a, a call today because uh, I like the night before. Like our schedules have been so all over the place that I I asked him yesterday and he didn't get back to me. So I just assumed they were on the road. 
Um, but I mean, what am I supposed to do? They're awesome. I'd love to, I definitely want to call them, but I have to go do tree work now. I have to like schedule, I have four, I have four dogs, 10 chickens, a pregnant wife and a fucking toddler. And I have to cut down trees with my brother. So, um, I'm going to need the night before to know this shit. Uh, need ideas for middle name for my son. T names, T, uh, Tyrannosaurus, Ticonderoga, Tyranite, Tyramite or whatever that shit's called. Uh, Transylvania, testosterone. Our first comment, recent listener, love you, buddy. Rogan and you have inspired me to begin my journey with comedy. Bone Bear, welcome, Bone Bear. And thank you, Luigi Comage. All right, I got to get out of here. Uh, Joe, you got, all right. Crowder in here means he's late for writing usually. No, uh, well, no, because we don't always have, we don't write every day sometimes when they're on the road. So I texted them last night to see if it was on for today and I didn't hear back. So I scheduled this at 8 a.m. And then my brother can take me to do trees at 10 and then I'm doing the beauty and the beta podcast and then I have to spend time with my family and not become a fat fuck and give up all my fucking um, health for work so all I need is the night before to know that's it that's all I need because now my day's off and now I have little kids and dogs and and chickens and um oh Crowder was in the chat man I need I need these guys to tell me the night before no Crowder's great at communicating but, uh, I mean, Crowder runs, Crowder's facing more shit than even I am when it comes to this stuff. Like, look at all the shit that I face every day for uh, people banning my show and all this shit. Crowder's that on fucking steroids. Like, he has, uh, he has employees that rely on him, and he's way bigger than me, and he, uh, when he tours, they, they shut him down even more. So, think about that, and then he has to also just keep up with his life and his health and his dog and his wife and so uh yeah so all i need is the night before yeah crowder has the entire system bearing down on him. it's nuts all right so i love you guys get my new special at hugepianist.com it's called uh how dare me and then you can get my last special as well it's called feed the bear shot in england which i no longer feel comfortable doing comedy in and uh subscribe to this like it uh share it comment on it don't be a pussy seriously it's fucking insane. Like, people can't even comment. They're like, well, I love your stuff, Big Bear, but if I comment, like, people will think that... I... Jay shot a little kid in the fucking head in front of his dad. Like, and these people wear these shirts. Look at these fucking people. Look at, look at that. that. That's like wearing a fucking Hitler shirt if Hitler enjoyed it more. So, they're a bunch of liars, man. Don't kneel. If you kneel, you won't feel joy. Ever, you won't. If you kneel, you give up everything. You don't have to fight like me. You can keep your like life going and all that shit. But just don't think that you can't just hit the fucking like button or subscribe. That's nothing. If you're not willing to do that, imagine when they come for your family and shit, which has happened over and over again. Cuba, in your parents' lifetime or in your lifetime, was doing all of this as the New York Times praised them, as 50-something thousand people died just trying to swim to fucking America so their wives and moms and daughters didn't get raped by fucking people praised by goddamn celebrities. So hit the like button, subscribe, fucking retweet it, go to my shows, buy my fucking shit. Seriously, don't be a fucking coward. Well, you'll go, you'll go, you'll uh, go to a fucking Jay-Z concert, but for some reason, my bike gets stolen. My bike gets stolen by a black guy and I can't sing this song. That nigga stole my bike.
could talk about shooting black people in the head that, that cross them. He's like, oh, niggas. Fuck, fuck them. And you don't have to get on board in a crazy way like I am. Like, you don't have to put yourself out there like I am. I get it. Everyone has a different role in this world and a different path. But if you don't think you can subscribe or hit the like button or comment or fucking tell someone that this shit's good, you are a fucking coward. And cowards have a bad death, man. Bad. Because when you live a good life, they can't, like, when they take something from you, it's okay. You can die with a fucking smirk on your face. But if you live a coward's life, you feel, you, you just, it, it's just, it's disgusting. And the threat is at the fucking door. Knock, knock, knock. Talk to anybody with young kids right now in school in a lot of these places. Especially Canada. Look at Canada. They're teaching kids that there is no gender. There's no sex. In Sweden, public schools, they're teaching children that, there's no, that you can't say her and him. You only say friend. That's comrade. That the, the number one way humans died in the 20th century was by socialist governments killing their own people. Have some fucking balls, you fucking coward. All right, have a great day, everybody. And check out my special at hugepianist.com. I'm about to go drop a bunch of trees, hopefully not on myself. God bless.